0: session Um, this is the second episode we're back for week two which means we survived week one barely I'm your host Colin McGuire happily with our senior reporter Danielle E. Gaines
1: hi Colin nice to be with you
0: and what's better to be with you okay it's better to be with you you're all the way in Annapolis how is it in Annapolis
1: it's good it's good it's a lot busier this week than last week which is good that's good
0: that's uh, how's the weather Weather's good today.
1: The weather's pretty good today. The governor had an outdoor press conference, actually, but we're going to get to that Ooh.
0: later. Yes, 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 we will. <laughs> First, though, before we get there, I'd, I I want to lead off uh, this week by talking about Mister Votes Aid. Yes. This is I love this story. I really do. Um, would you like to explain to the the people the sort of crux of the story?
1: Well, sure. There was an article in the New York Times this week, and it was by a reporter who was looking into who was behind fake news websites. And as it turned out, one of these fake news websites was created by Delegate Votes Legislative Aid. And um, at some point during the process of opening up the website or shutting it down, he left what the New York Times writer described as a digital clue as to his identity so the writer was able to find him and um, the aide his name is Cameron Harris he ultimately ended up agreeing to an interview with the New York Times and um, kind of outed himself that took a lot of people here in Annapolis by surprise
0: do we know what the digital clue was
1: I don't know what the digital clue was I'm sorry I'm, I'm not that savvy
0: that's so interesting though it's so smoky and mirror
1: yes kind of better
0: that way that's that yeah uh, we can when the lifetime movie comes out we'll know uh do you think this hurt vote at all
1: i think that's a little unclear i mean he took immediate action against the staffer he said that he didn't know this was going on that as soon as he found out he had a meeting and um you know fired mr harris um Mm -hmm. but cameron harris has been a big part of delegate votes operations for a while now He's part of his um, delegate campaign delegate office um, he was mm-hmm. part of the delegates um, campaign in the sixth district congressional race earlier this year and um, at the time that the website was up and running he actually was renting a room or some yeah. rooms in the basement of votes home i read so that
0: that's so odd that's so weird man keep going I'm yeah sorry.
1: <laughs> well so i mean so they're close um so far what i've heard from people around annapolis is that that they applaud um the delegates decision to to make the decision to fire mr harris right away um the governor himself said that today actually in comments after his press conference
0: Aha! Uh-huh. So you do that? You you talk to the governor, or the governor made comments on his own about this?
1: No. Well, I, we just th- we have these large gaggles around mm-hmm. the governor, Ooh, and yes, um, so I was able to get in a question about about this topic.
0: That's exciting. How did the press conference go?
1: Well, the press conference um, it was very interesting. It was outside because it's you know about sixty degrees in January, so it was on the state house steps, and. Um, Governor Hogan stood on the State House steps and he talked about, how, you know, what an important place the State House is and its importance in Maryland history and in um, United States history. And he talked about how that's um, a reputation that needs to be upheld. And he gave all of these comments shortly before announcing his quote integrity and in government initiative. So that initiative includes a number of bills aimed at increasing transparency or adding additional um, checks on uh, potential corruption in government.
0: Now, he, he introduced four bills today?
1: So there's four bills. I can run through them really quick for you if you want. <laughs> yeah, um, well, sure. It, okay. There's the Public Integrity Act of 2017, and um, that bill would place um, you know, so-called common sense restrictions um, that would address and eliminate um, conflicts of interest by public officials. So um, there's a number of different parts to that. The actual t- text of the bills are not available yet, because they were just dropped off at the House and Senate clerk's offices today. So we just kind of have the brief overview, the overview that the governor gave. Um, but it reforms ethics oversight in the state, and it gives the state ethics commission oversight over all elected officials and registered lobbyists and consultants in the state. Um, mm-hmm. The second bill is uh, the Legislative Transparency Act of 2017, and this bill would require live streaming of the floor sessions in the House and the Senate. Um, that's cool. Yes, that's like parliament. Yes, and that well, we aren't as fun as parliament yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> But this would require um, live streaming of video sessions on the floor of the house and the senate and you can listen to a live stream now it's just audio Um, but one of the big problems with that is that there's a rule against using um, a lawmaker's name on the floor so colin Mm. i might say the good gentleman from frederick i would not say delegate colin mcguire um and that can be confusing to people who are listening at home you don't know your lawmakers voices sometimes yeah. and um, people really complain that it's not all that transparent once it boils down to it or they'll say you know huh. the good gentleman from district 39 well where's district 39 i don't know
0: yeah that's so old-fashioned the good gentleman who talks like that anymore
1: well in another the video, g- do <laughs> i
0: guess so okay so okay.
1: there are two more bills um One is a Liquor Board Reform Act of 2017. That one would um, also make um, some liquor boards subject to some ethics laws. And in counties where they use it, it would take the county central committees out of the deciding process for members of the Liquor Board. Um, Hmm. Some of the items that I mentioned already, the Public Integrity Act and the Liquor Board Reform Act, those are in direct response to... um, what the governor would say is ongoing corruption in Annapolis. um, And that includes some recent arrests for lawmakers, um, or former lawmaker who is accepting bribes and a continuing investigation relating to the Prince George's um, County Liquor Board. And um, there's another case that prohibited somebody from or prevented them eventually from being able to be sworn in as a new lawmaker earlier this year and that involved campaign finance um, corruption allegations and then there was another case where um, a delegate was advocating on behalf of medical cannabis bills while he was also consulting for a medical cannabis um, company so some of these bills are kind of in direct response to some of those things that the governor felt he was seeing that weren't right
0: I see. So he's cleaning it up.
1: Yeah, that's what he says. So, um, And then there's one more bill as part of that package, which is kind of s- related, but slightly different. Um, it's the Redistricting Reform Act of 2017. This is something we've talked about a lot, in Frederick County especially. Um, mm-hmm. And this would be to create an independent, nonpartisan redistricting commission that would set the boundaries for congressional districts rather than having the governor and general assembly do it. Um, now I
0: hear were people cheering after this
1: so people were cheering after that one for sure yeah Um, we're in Annapolis which is you know Anne Arundel County and um, Frederick County um, are kind of regarded as some of the most gerrymandered districts um, in the state Mm -hmm. and um, there were a lot of lawmakers from those two places kind of Looking on and listening to what he had to say and and cheering when they were hearing that he was going to push for this reform again. It is something that he tried to get through last year as well, but um, Mm. it did not it did not happen.
0: Well, I want to go back to uh, ethics, if only for a minute, because I know that you um, you had the opportunity to discuss some stuff with some local people who were there, I do believe.
1: Yeah, so um, right after the—well, actually, right after one of those big cheers went up, I kind of turned around to look and see who's here and, and cheering. <laughs> I had was unaware that a large crowd had gathered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there were a lot of lawmakers, and um, among them happened to be two Frederick County delegates, um, Delegate William Folden and Delegate Barry Siloberti. And I just kind of walked up to them to get their real quick— um, impressions of of what they'd heard. So we have a clip. I think Chris is gonna play it, but um you're gonna hear Folden uh delegate Folden speaking first and he's talking about the live streaming bill. Um and then he and delegate Celeberti kind of have a discussion about redistricting.
0: Okay. Here here's the clip then
2: more transparency in government there's no reason absolutely no reason that i can think of or anybody else can bring forward to convince me that our hearings should not be made public for all to hear and see why we're one of seven states that's still prohibited it is beyond me mm-hmm. this state is better than that and our citizens deserve better and
1: what do you think about the re- going for redistricting again
2: again when we have the most shoddy. <laughs> uh, when we have a, uh, when we have a, a, re- a, 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 when our district map looks like instead of being broken down into districts, that you have representatives representing a, a specific area of constituent base to what looks like someone just slung paint on the wall and it just reaches far points and gets a little wider and gets narrow again and gets. That's not, you're not representing your districts. You're not representing your constituent base. You are, your elected officials have chosen their constituent base. And that is not, that is fundamentally flawed. And that is not at all what is good for state members. We are the king of gerrymandering. Yeah. In this state. Uh, there's no question about it.
1: You were in politics years ago.
2: Correct. And we were
1: less gerrymandered then, right? That's right. Do you think it made a difference?
2: Uh, it had to, obviously. I mean, you take a look at the sixth congressional district uh, in Maryland. Uh, the sixth congressional district puts Wheaton in Frederick County, as, in, in terms of in, in terms of a, a, a contingency, or, uh-huh. a constituency, and, and that's absurd. We have as we have very little to do with uh, Wheaton or Silver Spring, and they have very little to do with us. But they put it there for political reasons, and you have what you have. Uh-huh. So all these uh, bills today, do you think they would all get you guys' votes? Absolutely. These but, but the bills that he introduced today. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm at 100% support uh, that legislators should not be a part of or int- be able to introduce any legislation that directly influences their pocketbook. Mm-hmm. That is that is ethically. Well, we took an oath We took an, yeah. <laughs> we're better than that. In law enforcement, yeah, we, there's no difference as public service. You're a public servant. You are not here to profit. Off of your, off of your position. Mm-hmm. That is unethical. There's one great line. A public office is a public trust. And that's obviously been violated down here. Big time.
1: Wow. So you Those got a little flavor. <laughs> yeah. You My goodness. You can also kind there's... of hear a lot of the hubbub going on. Sorry about that.
0: No, it's okay. I feel like we're in an episode of House of Cards with all the gerrymandering now. This is fabulous. <laughs> um, so what? What was the sort of sentiment um, outside of uh, those those two fine gentlemen or whatever the phrase was? Um, did you find those, uh, those comments sort of echoed throughout the rest of the crowd?
1: Well, so um, the crowd was mostly Republican. It was people from the governor's office and Republican lawmakers. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, there was a lot of support. The um, Senate president and the speaker have issued statements saying that they're going to take a look at the bills when they, you know, actually get the full text and that they are also committed to um, retaining the highest level of ethics in the state.
0: Huh. Well, that's th- well, that's interesting. You know, talking so much about ethics, I know that um, ethics played a part in today's discussions uh, on a local level or n- maybe not today, but this week.
1: Yeah. So on Friday, the um, Frederick County delegation, which includes the lawmakers from District 3 and District 4, had their first delegation meeting of the year. And they discussed um, a bill that's included in the county's legislative priorities package, which would change some of the county ethics rules. So Mm -hmm. the county ethics rules are codified in both state law and a county ordinance. And the state law deals with campaign finance issues and ex parte communications. Um, mm-hmm. The change that the county wants to see, it was actually something that was brought to the county by the League of Women Voters. They would like to see a revision that would apply existing limits on campaign donations to members of the Planning Commission who are seeking elected office.
0: Why Why only that? I. Uh, from what I was reading uh, your piece and and I'm I'm just kind of wondering why do you have any sense of why they focused on the building industry more than anything else
1: well so years ago when this came up it came up specifically because of you know a, I, I think a rezoning issue and we're talking you know a decade or something um, mm-hmm. and so initially when it was first codified under state law there was there was a reason for it to focus on that Um industry and you know rezoning applications or zoning changes are or they are a really big deal they're generally Mm long-term agreements you're kind of changing the whole face of a community you're deciding if it's going to have houses or agriculture or this or that and so um there was an idea that um you know that might be a more pervasive influence perhaps and so um that was kind of the initial impetus for the law as mm-hmm. you are alluding to, some of the lawmakers during the delegation meeting, Senator Huff in particular, um, questioned why you know this didn't a- apply on a broader scale, why it didn't apply to um, any number of various other groups that would support legislation that comes before the county council or the planning commission, and um, he asked um, the county council and the county to go back and discuss and decide whether or not the law could be made even more broad. Um, Some members of the delegation, Delegate Carol Krim, notably, wanted to simply move forward with the bill as it's currently drafted because the current bill does take the existing law farther, just Mm -hmm. not as far as Mm -hmm. some people now think it should maybe go. But ultimately, they decided Mm -hmm. to postpone any action on that for um, two weeks. So they'll discuss it not this Friday, but the next one.
0: So they said, we need it to be more strict
1: And maybe apply more broadly um, so that it doesn't affect, um, so apply more broadly in two ways. Apply more broadly to the types of decisions that would be impacted um, by a restriction on campaign donations and perhaps apply to more boards, not just the Planning Commission and the County Council, but possibly to some various advisory boards and that sort of thing.
0: I love this quote from Jan Gardner. She said she doesn't want perfect to be the enemy of good. I really like that.
1: Yeah. I'm, her point was, you know, what I was saying. This this does take the, the ethics law a bit further than it already it does. So it does make it stronger. Um, you could always make something stronger and stronger and stronger, but maybe you want to do that through a series of bills instead of pushing this one off.
0: Mm-hmm. So how about some other bills uh, that were discussed this week? I mean, I I just kind of wanted to tip my hat toward the idea that you can now drink beer at barbershops. That's basically well, if it passes. Or will. <laughs> yeah, if it passes. <laughs> are there so any other sort of interesting things that, that are coming up? Or how does how does the barbershop beer bill look?
1: Sure. So <laughs> this was a bill that was discussed at the um, kind of December public hearing of the delegation when a lot of different groups come forward and kind of advocate for different bills that they want this is a bill that the Frederick County Liquor Board wanted to see passed it was something that their um, licensees wanted to see and it would allow barbershops to serve beer and wine Um, during yeah during it just because there was a bill passed last year which allows beauty salons to do that so there Mm -hmm. was like a gender equity issue um, you know, I
0: read that. Yes. I read that, and because you're, if you're, you can, if you're a woman, you could sit at the salon for eight hours and end up drinking five bottles of vodka. Yeah. But a guy just goes in, takes a razor to his head, and that's it.
1: There was a concern about, you know, the length of time. Even for a nice men's haircut, um, you're probably not <laughs> going to be down there for an hour. Something better than what you have, Colin.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, that's a shot. I guess. I'm going to have to stop bringing my flask to Master Cuts <laughs> all the time. So uh, I this, um,
1: <laughs> this issue with the time was actually taken care of. The Liquor Board agreed to make it a slight amendment to the bill that limits the serving size for any of those drinks to five ounces. Um, once okay. that limit was put on there, um, that actually ended up getting the go-ahead from the entire delegation. So that will be a bill That's that will come up before the entire exciting. General Assembly soon.
0: We need to keep an eye on that most definitely. Um, I, I want to talk about... that's why you're in Annapolis. Darn it. Uh, The budget. Uh, This week, uh, the governor introduced his budget. Yes. Uh, Was there anything that stuck out to you? From what I understand, the hotel plan here for Frederick kind of took a hit?
1: Sure. So the day before the budget was announced, I was actually able to confirm um, that the capital budget would not include funding for the proposed Downtown Frederick Hotel and Conference Center. Um, That project was slated to receive f- $16 million dollars in three separate um, bond approvals. Um, those were all included in the capital budget last year by um, budget negotiators, um, kind of in the 11th hour of the General Assembly. Um, but as you know, it's a controversial issue, particularly among our delegation. There were efforts to get it removed, um Mm -hmm. on the floor at the very last minute last year, and ultimately um, the capital budget was approved. What was in there was a pre-authorization for funding for future years. So when something Mm -hmm. is pre-authorized, it kind of signals to the governor that it's a priority of the General Assembly and they'd like to see it in the next capital budget. But the governor is the the one who writes the budgets, and he decides what's to put in and what not to put in, and he decided not to put it in.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so he said, quote, it sounds too good to be true, but it is true, talking about his budget. The plan for next year spends less than this year, I believe, correct?
1: Yeah, so that was um, him speaking about his overall budget. Um, Mm -hmm. He uh, has kind of a budget rollout process where there's like a preview on one day, um, and he gives a lot of talking points about what's funded and what's not being funded. Um, and then the next day we can actually read the budget and see the budget books. Um, mm-hmm. so people pressed him, reporters pressed him cause he kept talking about how it was less spending, but education was getting more money and police were getting more money and this was getting more money and that was getting more money. And so someone said, if everything's getting more money, how can spending go down? Um, and that's mm-hmm. when the governor responded that it's too good to be true, but mm-hmm. it is. Um, but it's
0: true. Just like this podcast. <laughs>
1: So ultimately, you know, the budget um, did come out, and there are some cuts, um, so some people will feel it. Frederick County came out um, pretty good so far.
0: Well, that's good. That's but good But this know. is um, a year
1: where there's going to be a lot of shuffling of money, I I anticipate.
0: So we'll keep an eye on that, too, along with Barbershop Beer.
1: Yes. I'll add it to that. list. That'll be
0: good. Uh, real quick, I know we're running short on time, but I do want to talk about this school days versus school hours issue. Um, I, I find this somewhat fascinating uh the, i want to know the logic behind the bill instead of going for 180 days the idea was to go for uh, 1080 hours currently this is according to the story this week w- that you and jeremy barrow uh, wrote middle the middle schoolers uh go for 1260 hours while high schoolers typically spend 1350 hours why would why would you change this what was the logic behind do you know
1: sure so there's a lot of variables behind this. Um, As you know, the governor um, signed an executive order earlier this year, which mandates that school systems um, start after Labor Day and end before June 15th. Mm -hmm. Some school districts felt that that put them on too tight of a timeline to try to get in um, the required 180 days of schooling each year um one of the other things that came out when people start discussing the school calendar and how many days children should meet is that you know um partial days count as a full day when you are m- meeting this number of days requirement so mm. there was the idea okay. that instead of um going by number of days you would go by total number of hours in a year and if you did it that way that would give school systems kind of more flexibility to um get the required instructional time in and um, get that school year between the end of Labor Day and June 15th, as the governor has mandated.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. That yes. And, but I mean, they, from what I understand, this is not, uh, this is not continuing, it's well, not moving forward.
1: Yeah. So as of yesterday, there is no local bill dealing with this. There yeah. was, um, delegate, she Kathy, it, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Delegate Kathy Avzali had two different ideas um, for how this could be carried out. She had a statewide bill that she drafted. She also had a local bill that would apply only to Frederick County that she drafted. She did draft that at the recommendation of some members of the County Board of Education. And um, last week, the board discussed those proposals. And... um, They weren't quite sure how to vote on the local bill because the state bill had already been introduced down here in Annapolis. The local Mm -hmm. bill wouldn't be introduced until it had, you know, the blessing of the Board of Education. Um, Mm -hmm. They didn't end up voting, and that um, created a problem. So now all of – it created confusion, I'll say. So now all of the bills have been withdrawn, and Delegate Afzali says she's going to throw her weight behind, um, something that one of her Eastern Shore colleagues is in the process of drafting right now.
0: All of the bills, including Bill Green. I'm going to make that joke every week. Nobody ends up laughing. Chris is kind of, but I think that's just a courtesy laugh. Finally, the inauguration is tomorrow. Are you excited?
1: Um, Yeah, the inauguration is tomorrow. I am going. I have been speaking (laughs) with (laughs) several Frederick County people who are going, so I'll be down there trying to um, catch up with them and, you know, See how they're feeling about everything while they're down there. We are also, not me, um, one of my colleagues is also going to be covering the women's march on Saturday. So we'll be covering yeah. everything going on down at the mall.
0: Uh, what's the sentiment in Annapolis about the inauguration tomorrow? Have you talked specifically to people about who's going, who's not going, what are they wearing, who are they wearing?
1: Who are they wearing? Um, yes. There is some ambivalence. Obviously, Annapolis is a very democratic, he- he- heavy place. Um, mm-hmm but we do have um senator michael huff is attending Um, some other members um, in frederick are attending councilman billy shreve the governor announced that he will attend Um, a notable absence that will be there tomorrow is um, new eighth district representative jamie raskin Um, Mm -hmm. he has said that you know for the past few weeks he's assumed he would attend um, not to show any support for president-elect trump's politics but as a gesture of constitutionalism um he said Mm. as the hour approached he just realized he couldn't bring himself to go and Mm. instead he's given his constituents through an email information about the women's march that's happening on saturday and he's Mm. going to be doing a nature walk on inauguration day
0: are you excited
1: yeah it'll be interesting
0: It's a tough day, isn't it, for a reporter? It's, it's a, very a tough day. That's day. that
1: was my ambivalence. It's a hard day for a reporter. We're going to be trying to chase people around and take audio and you know record and take photos. Um, there's not a lot of just kind of listening and taking it in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it should be an interesting day. I think a lot of stuff is going to happen. Yes. Most, I will get to see likely. the
1: sunrise over the Capitol. That will be fantastic.
0: That'll be that'll be very good. That'll be a lot of fun. That'll be beautiful maybe you can take a picture and tweet it out at danielle e Gaines, right
1: yes i'll take a picture and tweet it out
0: um before we go i have to ask you this what's the best meal you had in annapolis all week
1: oh the best meal i had in annapolis all week um i was a little tight on my budget this week so i packed most dinners bread um last, (laughs) last night i um oh this is so embarrassing i ate taco bell Oh, that, in, but in my that's, my and that's room, the best? Late at night. <laughs> that's the only thing I ate out. Yeah, Taco Bell. Oh,
0: man. What do you get? Oh, you, you don't eat meat, right? Same no. Meat. I had a spicy potato
1: soft taco. This is so embarrassing, Colin.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, taco Bell is good. There's a place for Taco Bell, of course, everywhere. Thank you so much, Danielle.
1: Thanks,
0: Colin. Um, we'll check in with you next week, I believe.
1: Sounds good. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, okay, goodbye. Bye-bye.
0: In Session is produced by Graham Cullen and Chris Sands. A special thanks goes to Kelsey Luce for composing our theme. Be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or Google Play so you can stay current with all the developments in Annapolis this session. Join us next week when we'll discuss the second full week in the General Assembly.